It's Thursday, January 3rd, 2019, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 249, Tom Clancy's Man Pilot. Runtime for this episode is 56 minutes. Welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that is not about Metal Gear Solid. My name is Jeremy. Oh, I was going to do some sort of snake joke. Oh, no, I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. You beat me to it. (laughs) We played Splinter Cell this week, and Jeremy's going to try not to just compare it to Metal Gear Solid for an hour and a half. Yeah, we haven't played Metal Gear Solid for the podcast. We haven't, which is why I have to restrain myself. That and the fact that this game was made five years later, it's a very important five years as far as gaming technology is concerned. This came out like almost exactly a year after Metal Gear Solid 2, right? Same year as Metal Gear Solid 2. Okay. This is also one of the early games that's got Tom Clancy's name on it. Yeah, that's I learned- when they realized they could tell it. It was uh, if you play this game on Steam, you will see the one news item from five years ago, which is this was gonna be a James Bond game, but they couldn't get the license. But I guess the Tom Clancy license was right there. So I've actually heard several things about what this game was going to be in development until they realized that they wanted to make it more grounded in real life. So they looked at like five properties and eventually got Tom Clancy. But it was actually supposed to be a sci-fi game at first. Yeah, like, does Sam Fisher in this game just seem like he is straight up Solid Snake, just put in a super <laughs> serious situation? I think it's mostly the way the voice actor plays him. Maybe. Possibly. And, I didn't. I never got that Yeah, he did, I just, like, disgruntled old man I Definitely disgruntled old man, but he mostly seemed like regular old man as opposed to Snake old man. I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking Metal Gear Solid 1 Snake, where he hasn't killed the president and fought <laughs> nanomachine vampires and... We're like, the weirdest thing to happen to him is he probably killed his dad. <laughs> also, there's that whole scene with Revolver Ocelot where he accidentally lasers his hand off or something. I mean, that happens in the game. It's yeah. Like, it hasn't happened to Snake yet. Okay. Okay. You're, uh, so at the beginning of Metal yeah. Gear Solid. Okay. I'm thinking those debriefing tapes where he's talking about how he swallowed cigarettes so he could smuggle them into the mission. <laughs> yeah, saying that's not a thing Sam Fisher would ever do, even if he smoked. True. He's got different priorities. I'm not sure what those priorities are. I guess, like, leg day? Freedom. <laughs> yeah. Freedom. America! Look, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we should announce the thing that we're doing for this year that I forgot to do at the top of the show that I was going to do. What are we doing for that this year? That we're going to be oh. bi-weekly. Yeah, so I have too many life obligations, and, and Jeremy decided to start another podcast, so I assume he has too many life obligations. I mean, I have the, I'm making it work. I'm making ends meet. But yeah, Tyler has... A potential business opportunity he may or may not pursue. <laughs> so in 2019, last time on video games is going to be bi-weekly. We'll see what 2020 brings. We oh. might go back to weekly. This also is going to make me more likely to call games I've been sitting on the fence on because I don't think I can play them as much as I want to in a week. Like Ocarina of Time, like Metal Gear Solid. Uh, oh, is that why we haven't been playing these? <laughs> Yeah. I assumed it's just because our long-term assignments tend to languish for like a month before we get around to them. Well, that doesn't help either, but also I feel like we can do a lot of those that would have been long-term assignments in two weeks. But yeah, so last time on video games is going to be bi-weekly. I'm going to try to commit to getting It's a Gundam out every week. Yeah. I don't know how much crossover there is on that. Sorry about that, guys. 
So speaking of America, what have you been playing, Zach? I've been playing a lot of, like, MechWarrior Online is one of the main things that I've been continually doing. Some uh, War Thunder, but I kind of stopped doing a lot of that just because I got really back into Battletech. Still going through the career mode. I'm managing to stay afloat at the moment, which is nice. I've got a few heavy mechs finally, but there was one that I got my nice heavy mech, which proceeded to drop on a mission and get completely destroyed, and I had to rebuild it and didn't have the parts for it. Which kind of sucked, which meant the base configuration had to be entirely changed. And you just turn it into the EZ-8. You just, you know, stick a machine gun in the head. Well, the way the game is set up, you can't actually put a machine gun in that mech's head because it, it's a support weapon, so it has to have that particular type of hard point for you to put the machine gun in. But every time I would deploy it, because that mech is notoriously light on armor, I finally got fed up with it and modified it so that it has as much armor as it can carry, and now it's got an AC-5, a large laser, a medium laser, LRM-10, and LRM-5. That's a decent loadout. It's yeah. versatile. Kinda, but at the same time, it's a little on the weaker side for a heavy mech. I've never been a big fan of Jaeger mechs anyway, it's just, that's what I got, so that's what I've been using. I did a couple of the flash points, one of which just really, really roundly kicked my ass. I only managed to get one of my mechs out of the combat zone, but I managed to complete the mission. And I only lost one of my pilots, but they're getting knocked around quite a bit. Battletech's still a lot of fun, it's kinda hard as as a game though. So in the career mode, if things start going poorly, do they all of a sudden go very poorly, or is it kind of a slow burn into not being able to make enough money to continue? I have only had a few missions where I ended up with that, but that's usually because I pay attention to it, and I've gone back to a couple of easier locations to generate some funds real quick without too much risk to my pocketbook because the missions are easier the mechs are easier they die faster usually because their lights and in poor condition so you're not likely to just like completely get screwed unless you make some very poor decisions pretty much yeah if you make really poor decisions you can screw yourself sideways but you're not absolutely hosed unless you decide to keep pressing as opposed to XCOM, where you're the slave of rng jesus It can feel like that sometimes, because the mission where I got truly screwed up, I was up against basically two and a half lances, and I only had the one. And since it was, they weren't assault mechs, they didn't have the armor or the firepower to really punch through over well. So I think that mission ended up being basically a bust in terms of making money on it, because I had to fix so much stuff, including the most expensive mech I own, which is an Orion. So at that point, you're basically playing Cowboy Bebop, where all your contracts pay for continued maintenance of the ship. Kinda, especially because of the fact that you need to open up more locations on your dropship and upgrade it in order to carry, like, more mechs, have them be fixed faster, and all those kind of things. Other than that, I actually finally beat Hacker's Memory. Oh, Oh, nice. What did you think of the end of that game? Eh. (laughs) Boy, does that game end. I mean, at least it ends, I guess. Yeah, it it ends just kind of... It's like, oh, did you hope that Wormmon and this hot girl would fuse into a hot girl, Digimon? Good news! <laughs> yeah. I, I, I started up a new game plus because I there was a Digimon I hadn't actually gotten. But it's like, yeah, I don't know how long that's going to last just because of the fact that, I mean, if I play that new game plus, it's like, here are all of these megas, and even the ones that aren't megas are wildly overpowered at the moment. So, I mean, yeah. I still like 
doing New Game Plus and stuff like that. But The end of my hacker's memory playthrough was me realizing that if I took a nap, my Digimon would be leveled up enough that I could finish the Digidex. So I took a nap, woke up from my nap, and finished evolving my <laughs> Digimon so it would fill out and have them all. Nice. Got to evolve them all? Yeah. Well, D- you don't have Digimon? to. You don't get a diploma or anything cool for it. But I wanted to get them all. Do you get a reward in modern Pokemon games for completing your Pokedex? I think the professor will still give you a diploma. That's fun. <laughs> I don't know. I should ask Ed. He's had a living Dex for like the last four generations or something. I honestly don't know. One day I might have one. I'm trying to think what happened in Silver. I think you just got like a screen that was like, here you go. It wasn't even like a printable diploma like in Red and Blue. I never really cared all that much to go for a living Dex or to get a Dex full you know i did when i was a kid but that's also because pokemon was like one of the largest games i had available to me to play like collecting is fun it's similar to like grinding in an mmo i feel which i don't really do because <coughs> i don't play an mmo but in the same way you might play monster hunter and just do around for a little bit i like catching like two or three pokemon i guess i can kind of understand that i just yeah i mean they're they're all still fun games i'd recommend most of them hacker's memory isn't great i'd still say it's decent fun if you can find it for cheap which i think at this point probably is i think the original cyber sleuth is better hacker's memory has a better digimon list but its story is limited by the nature of hacker's memories and i don't think the characters are quite as good in it although they're not bad also cyber sleuth has a real like nostalgia bit for digimon that hacker's memory is missing ah what do you mean i mean it feels like a new it could be a digimon anime anyway hacker's memory doesn't okay like, Hacker's Memory is a game featuring Digimon, yeah, as like, opposed to a Digimon game. And Cyber Sleuth almost feels like it could be similar to Digimon Adventure Try, something that happened to some characters when they became teenagers and were trying to appeal to an older audience. Yeah, I mean, they're all still, like I said, they're all still fun. If you can find them for cheap, I'd definitely recommend them. They're both on sale on PSN right now. I think Cyber Sleuth is $14 and Hacker's Memory is 19 Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know that because I don't spend a whole lot of time perusing the store. I... Anything else, Zach? I don't think so. I mean, I think I unlocked all the characters in Smash Brothers, but I did that and haven't touched it since. I actually did the same thing, although I only did that on Christmas Eve. Okay. So not too long ago at yeah. the time of this recording. Yeah. I played some online. For some reason, I only have like three people who are eligible for Elite Smash, and I don't know what their calculation for that is. One of them is Incineroar. I don't feel like I've even won a match as Incineroar, but... What's Elite Smash? It's basically, if you play online enough, it tosses you into a different matching system with other people with high elos, like there's an elo cutoff. So I guess it's kind of like Diamond, only instead of going bronze, silver, gold, it's oh. just pleb, it's... Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> pleb rank. So it's got its own matchmaking thing built into it. Yeah, it already has, like, an ELO-based ranking system. It tries to match you with people with similar global smash power. That's the way you should do any of those games, because if you fight somebody too high above you or too far below you, it's not fun for either side. There's an argument in fighting games that the priority should be on lag over um, actual skill level, but that's an argument. I think skill level should always come first, and then lag. I mean, you, if you ideal situation, you get zero lag in ideal skill comparisons but that's an ideal and almost never happens do we want to talk about the sad news of dragon ball fighters and how it's probably going to die oh why is it probably going to die uh, a whole bunch of tournaments have been canceled last minute for quote unforeseen circumstances that are almost definitely suasha saying you can't do this oh like there's no proof of that but that's a good way for them to kill their game which is an excellent game well you know what does shueisha care they're not bandai namco or arc system works who's suasha they own dragon ball 
They are oh. the publisher of Shonen Jump. Yeah, this, this is a bizarre decision. Weird. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, why but they this do it all thing. the time. So why? Like I said, it's not proof it that that's what it is, but a number of big tournaments got canceled last minute. I wonder if that's in order to pave the way for their own game and Jump Force or not. But like that's they like already s- own the rights, so I'm. S- like, clearly they had to get some money out of licensing the characters anyway. I'm very confused. So what have you been playing, Tyler? Speaking of games that are like 15 to $20, I picked up Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is on super ridiculous sales still to this day. I feel like it's a new game, even. It yeah, kind it came, of is. It's it only came, a couple months old. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I picked it up for like $15. Which How is it? Because I want someone else to play it. I will say it's maybe not a very good Assassin's Creed game, but it is a pretty good game. The last couple of Assassin's Creed games, I've heard similar things, but that might be because the last time I was really paying attention was Black Flag, and that was kind of the same thing. My one complaint is that the sailing in Black Flag was better if only because you had broadside cannons, and in this you have broadside javelins, and it's not nearly <laughs> as satisfying. <laughs> no, that is true. It's a lot of fun. The ramming mechanics work a lot better in this, though. They, they got that figured out. I don't know. It's a fun game. Uh, you get to travel all over Greece. There is a lot of map to cover. I'm not sure I'm going to finish the like main plot in this game ever it's actually a fairly compelling plot too it's just like there's so much stuff to do I'm it's definitely the gonna... battle of something or other between athens and sparta yeah i just I... can't remember what the actual historical battle is called yeah and i'm like 90 percent sure athens wins that one right uh sparta wins it oh really okay never mind then anywho you are a chosen child wielding the tip of leonidas's leonid leonidopides spears I'm not sure why you have it. It hasn't been explained yet. But also, your family line always has an eagle, and therefore you're the chosen of Zeus or something. I don't know. It's really funny because you can basically choose how your character responds to people like being like, you're the chosen one. And like, I'm like, well, she's an atheist, clearly, um, because a couple of the... <laughs> you know, all those atheists in ancient Greece. Yeah, well... So a couple of her early dialogue things, before you even get a choice on how to respond to things, heavily imply that she thinks everyone else is crazy for believing this hard in this stuff. So I just play her as, like, a hardline atheist every time someone brings it up, but also someone who doesn't want to get, like, lynched. I don't know. I mean, there are really space aliens that have magic laser apples in that setting. (laughs) Yes, there are. I don't know anything about the Assassin's Creed setting, but I know that. Yeah, I know there are aliens of some sort. It's weird. Where's the Pope? Yeah, I guess the meta plot in this game is that you're some sort of archaeologist. Why do they still have meta plots? Go I don't on. know. Uh, because they, reasons. They they pirated one of the anim- anima. Is that what they're called? Animus. I think it's animus, but at the same I time, the I don't know is. what the plural would be. Um, animai. I was going for a singular anyway, though. Anyway, they grab one of those. And some sort of archaeologist and or biologist, I don't know who is related to these people, maybe stole one. And she's like, we got to get to it before the company who produced this stuff gets to it. Because I guess they're the Illuminati or something. I don't know. I guess it's the cult of Cosmos. Seems legit. Yeah, no, it's super legit. But they go in and they're like, well, we have the spear tip of Leonidas, but it's got two different DNA samples on it. Only two, given how many people I've stabbed in the face many times with it. I'm surprised it's only two. It's because you don't actually leave DNA traces through blood, only through gripping the thing. Oh, that makes sense. Only in your skin cells. Hey, it's an alternate reality where aliens have been controlling human history. With laser apples. With laser apples, so I'm not going to question it. So that basically or lets you choose your character. The game actually plays out fairly differently depending on which one you choose. Like, they have similar motivations, but they behave very differently about them. Which is kind of cool. I don't know. I obviously chose Cassandra because why would you not choose Cassandra? She's badass. I love everything about this character. She's great. All the characters in this that you interact with for more than about five minutes are just <laughs> really well done. 
Like, all the character writing is great. You heard it here first. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is the My Hero Academia of video games. <laughs> uh, maybe let's not, not that go good. that far. Yeah, it's maybe not that good. Um, I've played better open world games, although this one's very solid. Like, if you wanted Skyrim, but you wanted better parkour mechanics, like, this is the game for you. Or, um, you know, any parkour mechanics? Yeah, exactly. Any parkour mechanics. I mean, hey. You haven't ridden a horse enough in Skyrim, clearly, if you think there are no parkour mechanics. <laughs> I played Skyrim back when it first came out, and it did not impress. I don't know. I played like 120 hours of it. I'm trying to decide whether I like this game better. I don't know. It's a fun game. Um, I haven't gotten super far into it yet, but I keep, like, I spent like four hours just exploring one island. I'm like, oh, that was cool. I wonder, and then I zoom out on the map, and you cannot fit the entirety of the map on the largest screen. It will let you zoom out. I'm like, oh, no. Oh no, there's so much map, so I'm almost definitely not going to finish this game because I'm going to burn out on just wandering around. It also does, like, dynamic level scaling. You have stats, like oh, it's an RPG. But you finished Final Fantasy XV. Did you finish Final Fantasy XV? Yes, I did finish Final Fantasy XV. Have we talked about that on the no, podcast? No, we haven't. I thought we did. No, he, he was um, very... He was... He I was needed very to walk close. over and stab Kefka. Yeah, no, I did not... I did not get that far. So clearly, there's that one scene in the ending cutscene. They're clearly dead, right? Yeah. yeah they're, they're clearly both dead, and this is like some sort of metaphor for they're finally together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that was and, it. And you have to choose a picture, and that's kind of sweet. Yeah, no, I actually really like that. Um, that was fun. That almost makes that game ending <laughs> worth it. It doesn't quite get there. I should, but it's, it's a very strong idea. There's just so much plot. I wish they had bothered, <laughs> like, there is such- They shared- yeah, there was just such a good game there, and then it all falls apart in the last half of it. It doesn't even fall apart, it's just like you're suddenly on a railroad, and it's like, okay, time to go on a sightseeing tour of all the things we were going to develop, but didn't. Oops. It, it doesn't even fall apart, it just becomes transparent. You're playing this cool video game, and then suddenly you're in the building that's transparent, and you're just like, ah, that was my face, that was the final boss, I win. <laughs> Man, that sure was an ending. Um, I, I think I still have generally positive sentiment about the game. It's so fun. do I, but... <laughs> I wish they would finish some video games. Yeah, that would that would be nice. Well, it's a problem of people over, you know, they, they've got this broad, great idea, but then somebody in marketing is like, dude, where you've spent a lot of money on this, we need you to actually release it so yeah. it makes some others back. Yeah. This game was in development for 10 years. They were making this at the same time where they were making Final Fantasy 13. Wow. Wow. It was originally called Final Fantasy Versus 13. What? <laughs> I'm so confused. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, honestly, I feel like it was maybe a scope management. I feel like if they kept the plot a little bit more contained. Which has been the problem with Final Fantasy since 10. Yeah, is that they keep needing to make them more and more epic, and then they're like, oh crap, we ran out of time. And 12 has a ton of issues, many of which are scope related. I thought there were loading screen and it related. I mean, you got those too. But it had a too long of a development cycle because of that, and I think that's actually what killed Final Fantasy time was the huge gap between 10 and 12. I don't know. We'll see if they come back from that. They've actually been doing a bunch of mobile games recently. Yeah, which is a choice. <laughs> it is a choice, although some of them are like much more harkening back to like 4 and 6. So, I mean, Bravely Default's great, but yeah. it's not Final Fantasy. It just should be. Yeah, so even though it is clearly just Final Fantasy. And also that game's ending is not... Yeah. I mean, the ending I is like fine. It's... it's the middle, I guess. Yeah, it's mostly that it, they didn't do a lot or enough to iterate on the concept. It's like the the player has already gotten this. That was the person who was actually living this and not gotten this yet. I guess we get a lot more meta information, but trying to think what else. Honestly, I did not dump a lot of time into Final Fantasy to finish it. You were right. I was like two feet away from the ending. Although I did have to watch the entire ending cutscene twice because my computer froze in the middle of the credits. I got to do that with Leviathan. Oh, sweet. Oh, sweet. I actually, I also had to do that with Leviathan, now that I think about it. My computer actually froze quite a bit during that game. 
Like, I finish it, and I'm like, I could go back and do the rest of the, like, optional quests and stuff. I'm like, ah, I just, I'm done. I should just put this down now. Yeah, you need to euthanize that game yep. sooner than you think you do. But, you know, like any good dog, you want to keep it around. You, you can't bear to see it go, and you let it live longer than you should have. <laughs> yeah, its quality of life greatly diminished. It ran out of ether. Trying to think. Obviously, been playing Let's Go P- Pikachus. P- I thought you had Eevee. Yeah. I do also have Eevee. No, I just have Eevee. I think we beat Gym Leader Lieutenant Surge. Um, he is really hardcore in this one. Like, man, he really wants to kick your ass, and he really wants to be Guile while doing it. Um, he even does, like, the stupid hair comb he thing He does want point. to flash kick you pretty uh, bad. <laughs> Surge, very aggro. Um, I think we have just gotten cut, maybe. But watching Alex play this game inspired me to, like... I really just wanted, like, a hard-as-balls Pokemon game at some point where you just get, like, a Rattata and you get tossed to the wolves. This sounds very appealing to me. So I went and found the Universal Pokemon Randomizer. Um, I mentioned this on the Discord recently. I just died on my first game. I was trying to do a Nuzlocke run. I'm like, nope, this went very poorly already. So I started over with a different randomization. I'm like, okay, Nuzlocke run again. I started with a Hitmonlee. The thing I did on this one, though is I randomized the type of every Pokemon. <laughs> because why not? What you're playing is Calvin Ball, not Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, Tyler, that's... Calvin Ball? There are no rules. I mean, there are Calvin rules. Ball. It's consistent after that. Um, like, a- every Nidoran will always be the same type. What type is your Hitmonlee? It's electric. <laughs> so he started knowing Thunder Punch and Bide, I think. It's not a great moveset, especially considering you're supposed to- Hitmonlee, well known for its punching (laughs) attacks. Go on. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Unfortunately, you're not supposed to get Hitmonlee until like level 30 or 40 or something. So he doesn't learn another move until 45. So I've been reliant on my also randomized TMs to uh, (laughs) teach him anything useful. He knows Vine Whip and Peck uh, are TMs I picked up. (laughs) Hitmonlee, also very well known for his peak- yeah, his, his beak, his sharp, vicious beak for cracking nuts. Yes. This was great. I'm like, okay, I can do a Nuzlocke run with a thunder punching Hitmonlee. Unfortunately, my rival got a fire type Jinx. And I think it's fire grass or something. I'm not sure what its second type is. So if it like had two types in the original, it still has two types or just two random types. Um, It also allows you to fix the ghost type sucks thing or the thing where psychic is actually um resistant to all the things it's supposed to be weak to. Which is all well and good, so I actually lost a fight to the Jinx, which is the first time I've ever lost an initial trainer battle ever. Um, so and your Hitmonlee was dead. Yeah, my Hitmonlee was dead. It turns out that actually it just immediately heals you. Your rifle's like, smell you later, and just wanders off as if you had won. Um, except you don't get that nice initial experience boost. So I wandered out into the grass, and I found some Nidoran males. And wouldn't you know it, Nidoran males are ground type, and they know Bone Moraine by <laughs> default. Uh, so I got my... I was going to do a Nuzlocke run, and I got my ass bodied by several Nidoran, so I decided not to do that. So I went through and caught myself a Jigglypuff, which is, any guesses? His name is Snowball. (laughs) I'm going to go with Dragon-type. Yes, definitely. Now, he is Ice-type and knows Blizzard by default. At level 2, Jigglypuffs in this game know Blizzard, which is great. Actually, probably level 1, because normally they only know Sing until they hit 9, I think. I was looking this up. I was trying to find first-gen learn sets because they still learn things at the same levels. I'm like, well, it's either going to learn Tail Whip at level 40 or maybe also Solar Beam at level 5. I don't know. I was getting my ass handed a lot to me early on because a lot of Pokemon learn attacks that are way too powerful for the level they are and therefore will crush you. But there are a lot of ground types, so all these ice types I keep finding are great. I currently, like most, I'm relying on a Pikachu who I can't remember what the hell I named this guy. Flake? 
I think I named him Flake. He knows Ice Beam, Aurora Beam, Ice Punch, and Body Slam. He is great. Uh, he's definitely going to be an Ice Hyper Aichu as soon as possible. Also, <laughs> I caught me one of those Nidoran because he is Ground Ghost, which is the most ludicrously effective type in this game. It's so good. Um, like everything, goddamn everything is weak to ground for some reason right now. Also, yeah, rocks, electrics. Yeah, rocks, electrics. No, there's another electric rocks, electric rocks, and uh, ice. A, lo- a lot of things got dual type rock in this for whatever reason. Rock and ice seem to be disproportionately represented on this. Also, a lot of things are grass. Bulbasaur is still a grass poison type, so <laughs> that did not change. Um, also, weeping bell is still grass type. I think its secondary type is flying though. So. Well, yeah, helicopters around on that vine. But yeah, also my rifles. So the first time I went through this run, my rifle got an electric type golem. And wouldn't you know it, he got an electric type golem again. And I did not have this awesome ground ghost Nidoran at the time. So I barely pulled through by having my Jigglypuff get lucky and crit with a blizzard in the right before the Indigo Plateau fight. It's crazy ridiculous it's also very fun i've been enjoying this a lot also all the names and types of people have been randomized so i fight missy and she's like oh actually no brock was the best because he had i think fire types um both of them ended up being fire types it tries to like match them on a type based theme like it does normally and picks random pokemon to fit that theme he had i think fire types i think none of them were fire type pokemon as you would normally think of them and his name was Donna. I think it was <laughs> Boss Donna. So Okay. Yeah, no, it was great. But all the dialogue so refers to him as Brock. And he's like, here, take my favorite TM. And it was something like, I, I think he might have been the one who gave me Peck. He's like, take my favorite TM, Peck. Um, it does tell you what every TM, like the dialogue actually changes for every TM they give you. So it's not like, what does he normally give you, Rock Throw? Oh, I he thought gives it was you Rock five. Smash. Oh, boy. Oh, oh I thought boy. He gave you rock Smash. What a great move. He gives you Rock Tomb in Fire Red and Leaf Green. That's much better. He gives you Headbutt in <laughs> Let's Go. Yeah, all great moves. All great moves. So I am actually, coincidentally, because all the items are randomized too, I just happen to have a water bottle by the time I got to that first guard station. So I haven't even gone to Vermilion yet to go try to learn cut. I don't even know if any of my Pokemon can learn cut. This might be a problem now that I think about it. Just catch a Farfetch'd. Yep. Now, I have a Lapras. It's a normal-type Lapras, but man, its moveset is good. It knows Earthquake and Rock Slide, and that already is great. But yeah, no, so I'm, I just wandered straight into Saffron. I'm like, I'm gonna go take the Fighting-type gym. Nope. Nope, I am not, because they're all level 40, and I'm still, like, level 20-something, so... Hmm. Get another electric Hitmonlee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good... Po- well, uh, they're probably not gonna be Hitmonlee. Oh, because uh, they're randomized. Yeah, they're randomized. Oh, you should see what's uh, at the top of the Celadon department store. What, what's normally up there? Eevee. Oh, okay. Um, Is he, is he in the Celadon department no, store? I, I thought he was in the secret the... developer room. He is, right. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to be. Um, Jolteon's flying type, which is very disappointing. So It was a conspicuous lack of Eevee in Let's Go Pikachu that was up there. Oh. Okay, you well, can yeah, still get Eevee. he's in the other game. Yeah, you can. Okay. It's on uh, the cycling road. Is where Eevees hang out. Obviously. They're just they, wild Eevees. Just go, V! <laughs> no, I, I believe you mean, V! <laughs> no, yours gets the fancy one. The ones in Let's Go just go, V! <laughs> <laughs> they just hired some disgruntled guy. So yeah, ran- randomized Pokemon Blue. Actually, am I playing Blue or Red? I think I'm playing Blue. Definitely highly recommend. It's amazing. I can also share my file. So if anyone wants to play the same randomized version of Blue with me, that's a thing that can happen. Pass. Um, <laughs> it's very interesting. I think that's all I've been playing. Mostly that and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. 
with a side of watching my wife play the Pikachus. I guess also I unlocked all the characters in Smash. And then apparently I'm good with Incineroar. And Wolf? Wolf is also my top tier How list? How are you good with Wolf? I don't no know. No one's good with Wolf. It's against I don't the know. law of like, nature. Like my three people with whom I'm allowed to do Elite Smash are like Wolf, Incineroar, and someone on the right side. I can't even remember. Not Inkling. Inkling's not on my list, even though I main Inkling and do very well with them. Cloud. I, no, no Cloud. I just got most of them unlocked using Ike. It's like, I need to unlock this character. Select Ike. Win. I got really into playing Spirit Board for like two days in a row. So I just like sat there and played Spirit Board, and it pops up like every 10 minutes, I think, while you're doing that. So I'm just like sitting there doing randomized battles, and then every so often I'd unlock a character. It was really convenient. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about Smash. Man, it sure is a Smash game. It's fun. I agree. I've been playing Smash and Let's Go Pikachu. <laughs> I've finally gotten good at the at the Belmonts. I have not. Okay, good might be generous. I've gotten acceptable at the Belmonts. I do like their projectile spam, but then I play against a Link, and I'm like, oh, no. He's Your projectile so spam is better at this. Um, I actually don't, like, my approach with him is mostly uh, neutral errors. So you toss out a cross, and then you neutral error your way to victory until they do something stupid and allow you to tip whip them. Whip tip them? I don't know. Whichever way of that makes sense. See, I usually sense. get around that kind of thing, because every time I try and play one of the Belmonts, I try and play them like I because they feel like they're just as slow as he is. They are as slow as he is. But you travel they, mostly by down tilt. But they aren't nearly as powerful when it comes to their... No, they're not trucks. Because Ike covers, like, the entire screen when he uses any of his smash attacks. Yeah, no, standard approach strategy with a the Belmont is, a, as soon as the match starts... Turn the opposite direction of your opponent and throw a cross, and then turn back the other way, throw a holy water, because you can't reverse the holy water like everyone else can with their damn down B. I don't know why they took that away from him. Then jump over your cross, allowing it to pass through your holy fire and smack into your opponent. While they are sitting there trying to figure out what to do about that, very slowly walk towards them, because that's all you can do. Repeat until you're within whipping range. <laughs> it's actually a pretty effective strategy. Also, occasionally catching people with a B is like the most satisfying thing ever. It also is a remarkably good kill move, turns out. Also, down tilt. That's how you move fast with him, is you down tilt, and then you press the button again, so you do the stupid Richter jump thing. I only play old man Belmont. So. I only do that by accident off the edge. That's the <laughs> only way I Richter jump. Apparently, you can, like, lash to the edge you with his whip. Can. I have never had a need to do this. Or rather, any time I would have had a need, I was so far away, it wouldn't have been relevant. So, yeah, I haven't played on with him that much, though. Took him online, won a few <laughs> matches with him. I'm like, that's enough Belmonting for now. I'm going to go. I think I got randomly chosen Ryu. And, man, I'm not good with Ryu in this game. Or Ken, for that matter. That's it. That's my Smash stories. I'm not good with Ryu or Ken. All right. Yeah, I haven't been playing anything else. So we played Sam Fisher's <laughs> Fun Adventures with Tom Clancy. I believe I called it the Marvelous Adventures of Sam Fisher. Codename Angler. Clearly. Do they even give him a code name in this no, game he's ever? Just Fisher. I just The NSA is really bad at secrets. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird that it's the NSA, not the CIA. Like the NSA normally outsources that stuff to people who actually have human resources. Like the NSA is mostly like intelligence but processing. I'm a guy who's never even read the back of Splinter Cell. So <laughs> I, I think it's like five feet to my right right now. <laughs> I don't think I think Splinter Cell was actually a game before it was a book. Nope, it's based on Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. I am pretty sure. There's Clancy. Let's see, Commander no, in Chief. No, I like. I know there is a book for Splinter Cell, but I'm pretty sure it came out after the game. It's not like Rainbow Six, which actually was based off of. V loosely based off the book. What was Ghost Warfare? Is that a game first? Is that a game I made up? There's Ghost something. Ghost Recon, maybe? Ghost, yeah, Recon. Ghost Recon is definitely um, a game. 
I'm not sure. The only one that I'm absolutely sure was a book beforehand was Rainbow Six. Which is now a Counter-Strike killer. What? Siege I, I is guess? A, is a competitor, I guess. I mean, is Counter-Strike still alive? Yeah. Yes. It okay. was on ESPN, or not ESPN, it was on uh, TBS a year ago. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pro okay. Counter-Strike on TBS. What a time. Uh, okay, so you play Sam Fisher, who's a retired military guy? He's a retired guy. Yeah, I, I got the impression he was like special ops of I guess some sort. Not retired. He was he was a guy. He got a desk job, but he's like, oh, pushing too many pencils. So General Black guy, his friend, hires him to test out an NSA like agent program where the NSA will send dudes to oh, well, gather be- intelligence. Before that, they pull him out of quasi retire out of old mandom because they're in a data warfare situation, or I guess a like Cold oh, yeah. data war with Georgia? That's weird. Um, the state of Georgia. Not the state. The country of Georgia. <laughs> the country of Georgia. <laughs> no, the I, said the, of Georgia. I was thinking like the nation state of Georgia, yeah. and it just came out the opposite of what Jeremy means. No, Georgia seceded. <laughs> the United States dearly needs their peaches, and Georgia's hacked all the peaches, guys. It's a problem. No, so the, the country of Georgia, apparently renowned for its hackers in the whenever this game was published. 2002. Two, 2002. Um, you know, it's been Romania for as long as I can remember, not Georgia. Anyway, they're like threatening to cyber nuke each other, and they're like, man, this is getting out of hand. Let's send in a covert op, pull Sam Fisher. He's the only guy sneaky enough. And so you're dropped into a tutorial level, you go through tutorial level stuff, and then they're like, all right, now this is the real deal. You can't touch the ground. Good luck. Let's talk about the tutorial a bit, because it's one of the best tutorials in these kinds of games that we've played so far. It's way better than Hitman's or, like, Thieves. It's not as good as, say, Mega Man X or Mario, which don't need tutorials and teach you just by playing. But if you have to have a tutorial, this is a great example of one. It lets you run through basically everything you're going to need to do and experiment with it as much as you actually need to in order to get it down before you move on. Except for when it breaks. There was a part where I was for about five minutes just being like, we have detected you. We have detected you. Sam. We found you. You're going to have to try again. We have detected you. I didn't. Th- I was frozen. I could not escape. I could not do anything, but I probably could have alt-tabbed. But it just went for, I think, 12 loops. Sam, we found you. You're going to need to try again. I would love to, General. Please let me. General I never Frenson. Had, I didn't have that problem. You know, I actually got stuck for a while trying to figure out how the heck to do the wall splits. I, like, missed the dialogue box, and I did not, f- I could not find the other thing, or the thing on the wall that told me how to do it again. Yeah, you and have to, you have to interact with a lot of the, like, screens around the tutorial level in order to tell you what they want you to do, or how to do the specific things. And I, well, I had already changed my key bindings, and it only tells you what the default key bindings are for any action. So I was, like, sitting there for a while, I'm like, how do I... How do I wall splits? I would also like to mention it is preposterous how easily he just, like, wall splits. Like, all this other stuff seems very realistic. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, no, I can just hold myself up by the strength of my, like, thigh tendons, I guess. This is crazy. It's Sam Fisher's quirk. Um, (laughs) To be fair, I think it's also kind of already assumed or presented in such a way that this is the kind of thing that he's already knows how to do. Oh, yeah, clearly like this, this is, is what he practiced in the Navy SEALs. He was a professional Russian dancer. This is what he was This is what he was doing. He was actually part of the USO. That's why they drafted him. They're like, we've never seen anyone do splits as impressively as you, Sam. 
And you always manage to get into backstage and then up on that ladder without anyone noticing. So the way you control Sam Fisher is very similar to other video games, but it's also a lot more technical. It doesn't really feel like you're controlling Sam to me, more like you're piloting him, for example. Yeah, no, that's a pretty (laughs) good way to put it. (laughs) It's got, and I was going to save this for later because I think most of it works well, but my big criticism is that it feels like a barrier between you and the game that's often immersion breaking because the controls are just a little too clunky, but it's because they're trying a lot of stuff. The big thing is you control your speed with your mouse scroll wheel, so you kind of can accelerate or decelerate him, which is important in a stealth game because sometimes it's time to run and sometimes it's time to be sneaky, and it's really nice to have that granularity. On the other hand, it means you have, like, you can't just go into a sprint, and it's not like you have to gain momentum first. It's, you have to like change gears. You have to shift Sam <laughs> up into fourth gear to get him going. If you need to run all of a sudden, which to be fair, the game does not often make you do, or at least not as much as I played it, which was not very far. Although I did like this game, what bits I did play. The tutorial actually really impressed me. There's also an almost Hitman style interact with things. If you want to go to a door, you have to like hold the interact key and then go to open because you could also maybe want to peek through or something. Same with if you want to pick up a body, which just feels like this arbitrary like step in your way that again makes it feel like you're piloting this man instead of inhabiting this man. Like, yeah. I like the concept, and I can see where it came from, because there are a lot of things you might want to do with an object, but 90% of the time, you're like, I want to open it. I want to tap to peek, hold the open. Like, Yeah, I, I think it might it might have been a situation where it ended, ended up working a little bit better on the uh, on the console, on the controller. I don't know. I played this on a on a keyboard and it's the default key bindings are awkward enough because it's it's enter as your default interact button made a little tricky sometimes because i had to reach across the keyboard from where i was actually using my my wasd keys yeah i remap mine to e or something which was already like equip flashlight or something stupid i don't know i change all my and then i remap mine to enter which was awful (coughs) and i had to move it elsewhere there's so much other crap to pay attention to it managing like your lock picks which the lock picking minigame is just boring like it's i couldn't not figure even... it out i just kept clicking and it ended <laughs> <laughs> um you're, you're supposed to press a direction until it like wiggles properly and yeah, you're you... supposed to press one of the buttons and then you keep pressing it until that one is locked up there it's not even like the uh lock picking mini games from skyrim and whatnot it's literally just a like, time constraint or time consuming if you just hit all four directional keys, like three times in a row each, you will succeed if you just keep doing that over and over. Before we get too far from it about the controls, because we've been very critical of them, they mostly work. They just feel a little off, and it creates a noticeable barrier. Frankly, they're not awful. I think they were like they're probably one of the better ones at the time. They were trying to do a lot of stuff and cram in a lot of interactions, and like the paradigm of like lawn press or like tap press or like contextual interaction was not really a thing yet so they did a pretty good job given that there are there are a lot of options of stuff you can do you can like peek through doors unlock doors open doors peek underneath them you can like pick up cans and bottles and stuff and throw them around yeah there was just we hadn't gotten around to like contextual actions yet and like as much as i hate to give it credit gears of war honestly helped to do this a lot ocarina of time too yeah ocarina with its one button interaction for everything that's a good point (laughs) So with all these options, you might think you have like a slightly open world, not like a GTA style open world, but like Thief where you get your mission and you have to decide how to sneak in or like Hitman. But no, it's just straight up levels that are very linear, which is actually kind of disappointing once you get to them. I kind of like it because a lot of them, especially later on, feel very well 
crafted. Like, they honestly make it seem like, here's the part where I need to run, here's the part where I need to think very carefully about what I... I don't know. I feel like they do Rising and Falling Tension pretty well. Uh, they definitely have good level design to them, but it also feels very theme parky to me. Like the That's first fair. one, one of the first things you do is slide into a burning building, which because I was looking at the wrong spot, I didn't even realize was on fire. And your op guy is like, okay, just go into that door. And then there's an explosion in that door, which is super telegraphed. And it's just, <laughs> it feels like I'm in like Shadow Ride and yeah. not a video game in a weird way. A lot of that is the technology of the time. There's a lot of cool spectacle stuff that doesn't hold up. I actually almost died in the burning building because I didn't realize I missed the the pipe you're supposed to crawl on. I also I saw it, but I was like, oh, space, that's the jump button. And then instead of grabbing the pipe, I jumped into the fire. I'm like, no, Sam! <laughs> Again, piloting Sam, not <laughs> inhabiting him. Yeah, I, I accidentally got hurt when I tried to run past a fire that I wasn't supposed to run past and almost died. And using the fire to guide you is pretty cool, but it just makes it feel like you're in a linear place because you're literally in a linear corridor. Yep. And that's true of pretty much all the levels is they're pretty linear, but that also means that like an old platformer, you have just like a series of obstacles to overcome. And once you've done it, you're pretty much done and move on. It actually reminded me of platforming design a lot. How much enemy interaction is there in this game? Because I didn't really get to enemies. And that seemed odd, uh, given how many places in the tutorial I was like, you can shove them into eye scanners to open eyes. You can interrogate them. There's a decent amount. Later on, you actually get a rifle that has special... All sorts of attachments. Yeah, it's got all sorts of attachments that, like, can knock people out or outright kill them. Usually, the way the game is set up, and it's set up in such a way that uh, you don't have enough ammo to really go Rambo through a level. You have to be really sneaky and husband your resources. So it's got a lot of resource management going on. But I got stuck on this game when they're in the first level. There's a situation where there are two guards beating up on this like transient or like something. Like right at the beginning of that level. It's not like right at the beginning of the level, but is it not? I, I mean, I had to redo that part so many times. I couldn't get past them. Okay. Um, I eventually did it by so after you come down the stairs and like you're in the same alley as them, like talking to the transient. There was a bunch of trash. What I ended up doing is picking up a can, throwing it down that staircase that's right in front of you, but like a little to the side. One of them would go react to it. And as he walked down the staircase, I'd go knock him out really quick, huck his body over the staircase, run back, grab another piece of trash, and then do that over and over. I didn't realize he'd get back up, though. So I like was luring the third guard out who's at the end of the hallway. And I'm like, okay, just a little bit closer. And I turn around and one of the guys I had knocked out and tossed down a stairwell earlier was like, well, that was weird. I should get back to harassing this transient now. <laughs> he wasn't even a transient. He was just a regular drunk guy. I, I wasn't sure. Drunk man. Looking at it through the night vision goggles makes it everything a little bit samey because it's all green. Are there any other points we want to talk about? We didn't make an outline for the first time in the history of this podcast. That is so. true. Um, I guess all the gadgets and the ways you can use them are pretty nifty. Well, like knocking out cameras is kind of cool, but I, if I remember right... Sometimes it's a little difficult to tell which cameras you can and can't knock out. And... It does in the tutorial be like, some cameras have armor, you know, like cameras. But it was really hard to tell the difference between the two. Yeah. I'm sure if you spent enough time with it, you would be able to tell the difference between the two. One of them slightly boxier. Like, really, the core mechanic of this game, which I think is what they were trying to play with, it was like, they went all in on the stealth thing. Or, like, what are elements of stealth? So it's like, how dark you are. Or I guess how much of a dark space you're yeah. in, how Speaking much noise you're making. Speaking of Metal Gear Solid, which we were at the beginning, you have a magical radar that shows how in shadow you are, which is not quite the Soliton radar, but it's still very video gamey. 
It's like, uh, Sam Fisher, we put little things all over your suit so you can see how Heidi you are. Your- <laughs> I mean, they're basically... God. They're, they'd basically just be light sensors, right? Like, they wouldn't even be that difficult to make. So, like, you often have to balance, like, should I take a risk running through the lighted area, or should I take the risk, like, making noise knocking out the light? And, like, it's a balancing act that you kind of get accustomed to fairly quickly. It's fun. It's something you always have to think about. My one complaint is I have, you know, since in the grand maturity of time played Mark of the Ninja, and I would love, love for a sound radius to pop up. Like, it's not very realistic, but, like, knowing... Who I can physically see right now who is going to hear that noise if I make a noise would be amazing, even if it just gave them, like, an icon yeah, over I their mean, head it or does, something. It does have, like, sound is different, but you can't tell, like, exactly how much sound you're making and who can actually hear it. Like, yeah. just the Breath of the Wild sound meter thing would go a long way, right? Yeah. And that's not exactly advanced stealth gameplay. It's not, but... I was going to say the other thing that Mark of the Ninja did that I would also really like in this game is just either it's light or it's dark. and None of this in-between nonsense. I also, I started playing Origami right before we called this for the game, um, which is like a stealth assassin killing game where you can teleport between shadows. And like, this game has way worse level design, but also like way more polished mechanics by comparison. So it was an interesting comparison point to play them right next to each other like that. It's a super solid game still, though. Yeah, I didn't play very much of it, but I also still just got a feeling of, like, quality from it in a weird way. It just, it's not my bag, but I could tell it was pretty good at what it was trying to do. It definitely had kinks to work out. The controls, like I said, they just are a little too off, but also they're genuinely trying a lot of cool stuff, and I don't know how you do that without the way they work. If I remember correctly, the third game... In the series, it's either the second or the third game that actually introduced a multiplayer. Yeah, I remember that. We we played some co-op of this so thing you, back in the day. You can play co-op in it, and I think one of the cooler ones is the versus mode, where the mercenaries, the bad, you know, one team is mercenaries, and they've got all, like, hyper-lethal guns and stuff like that. One team is the same. And they're Fisher. all in first person, and then all the Sam Fishers are running around in third person. I don't remember this, but that sounds great, Yeah, actually. I've seen some Let's Plays of it, like, in the modern era, it, is pretty interesting asymmetrical multiplayer. I think my one comment about this game, especially the this first one and not the <laughs> series as a whole, is I think if it were to come out in this day and age, it would have to be an indie developer because it's like a little too hyper-focused on being super stealthy all the time in most games anymore that have a stealth element or like, well, you can stealth if you want to be good at the game or you could just go Rambo it. It doesn't really matter. Or well, you could, like, do something in between. I think that's a consequence of a lot of AAA games releasing, um, you know, their games, and they all have the stealth level or the stealth section. I think it's just a consequence of AAA budgets. Like, a yep. stealth game is too niche. Exactly. To... It's too niche to market. Yeah. I really think is the thing. Is like, a lot of people don't want just... I think there's a bigger market for it than they're anticipating, but, like, I think any more stealth games like this are probably going to be relegated to indie zone. And I'm like thinking even of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I would like more assassinating in my Assassin's Creed, please. And if I remember right, the last the last version of Splinter Cell that released did not release to particularly good fanfare. Yeah, I don't. It was 2013, I think. I was I was looking this up. I can't remember. Was it Conviction was the last one, or was it was the one after Conviction? I think it was the one after Conviction. That's my favorite subtitle, the one after Conviction. It didn't. Uh, it make people particularly happy. Which kind of killed it. As a note to Bene, the reason I was looking this up is to find out whether or not the book came out before the game. Zach was right. The game came out first. So speaking of Zach being right, it's very rare. 
I'm always right. Nope, this, you guys this, just this don't transition isn't going it. anywhere. No. I, I thought I had something. I don't. Um, let's I had assassinate. Fair. Um, sl- sleeper holds. So speaking of transitions, I don't have one. Go to our website www.lastpodcast.com <laughs> where you can find a list of all the games we've played from best to worst. At the top is Chrono Trigger, a excellent game that might be a decent book. At the bottom is City Connection. You know what? I actually would love to know what the City Connection <laughs> novel adaptation is. <laughs> that would be novel. That did not mean to do that, but I'll take it. Uh, uh, any guesses on the middle? It is a game that has never been in the middle of the list before. Okay, cool. Have we pushed it up or down? Down. Okay. Mega Man. I'm trying to think what else is around there. I know there's a bunch of bad... I'm going to guess golf. In the middle is Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo. Oh, oh. It couldn't oh. be golf, Tyler, because he said it was a game that had never been in the yeah, middle. Yeah, I said that and then immediately realized it's been on the middle before. So the game I want to compare this to is Thief. And while I think a really big Thief fan, well, A, they'd be disappointed where we put Thief in the first place, but I think they would have a lot of arguments for why Thief is a better game because I do think it's got a more interesting premise since you actually get to case the place and choose how you go through it. But I think Splinter Cell is much better executed. I would agree with that. I think Splinter Cell's probably end up being a bit better of a game here. Yeah, I frankly think Splinter Cell might have been inspired by Thief, but I think it's a better game. So there aren't really many stealth games that we've played. I know, which is a travesty. I That's because there's games. really not that many. There aren't. The this was like the heyday of stealth games. The other game I really found comparable that we've played is way up there, and it's Perfect Dark. I don't think this game executes on what it wants to do as well as Perfect Dark does. I love Perfect Dark, but I think I would agree with Jeremy on that. On the other hand, the level design in Perfect Dark is disorienting. I get lost all the time. Yeah, that's true. They, are ten- they do tend to be a little bit on the big side and awkwardly positioned. But... I think Splinter Cell's got the opposite problem. They're like, Where they're too, too funnily. <laughs> that's fair. Um, Especially for a stealth game when you're supposed to be trying to find your way around Yeah, people. and you want to have more options for approaches than you do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm ambivalent, but already outvoted, so... So it's a shooter and only vaguely similar, but how do we think it compares to Doom 2? Because I definitely like it more than I like Doom 2, but I also am the person who likes Doom 2 the least at this table. Yeah, and honestly, I think Doom 2 has soured with age the more the original Doom has ripened with age in my mind. Doom 2 suffers from the problem of just being some more Doom and having... A little bit more on, on the confusing level design and yeah, it becomes much more obvious. I think I would put Splinter Cell above Doom too. I think I agree. Okay, so this is a very weird comparison, but it came out I think the same year, maybe a year, maybe a year later. How do we think it compares to Knights of the Old Republic? I think disfavorably, honestly. Like Kotor didn't was not as good as I remember it being when we went and replayed it for the podcast. But man, <laughs> there's just so much going on in that game. KOTOR was, like, a very enjoyable experience for me, whereas uh, Splinter Cell was a, yeah, I guess I'd maybe play more of this You know, I'd definitely take a remastered, I'd take a remastered KOTOR before I took a remastered Splinter Cell, I think, so I think I'd have to say I'd prefer KOTOR. So the midpoint between Doom 2 and KOTOR is River City Ransom. Huh. You guys like that game a lot more than I did. It's got so much flavor flav. Yeah, I feel like it's also a game that has a lot of ambition. I think it holds up a little better than Splinter Cell and a weird it's weird to say that because I don't think Splinter Cell doesn't hold up I think Splinter Cell is better than River City Ransom but like I said I liked River City Ransom a lot less than you guys did I think I agree with Zach honestly like they were trying a bunch of mechanics and they didn't necessarily flow together very well like it would have benefited a lot from a more cohesive map and like a little bit more signposting 
I mean, you could argue that Splinter Cell has too much signposting. You go this direction, that is the only direction you can go. And while I may prefer River City Ransom, I, I think Splinter Cell is the better game. We are now entering the Mega Man block. Take me to the Mega Zone. How do we think it compares to Mega Man X3, the most recent Mega Man game we've played? Which is a Mega Man game that's got a lot, it's trying, but also feels kind of uninspired. It's got lesser level design than other ones, although I'd still say much better than Splinter Cells. Although we disagree on Splinter Cells level design. (laughs) I don't like Mega Man, really. So I would probably give it to Splinter Cell over Mega Man, especially Mega Man X3, a game that's kind of riding on the coattails of games that came before it. I can't remember. I think I liked X3 more than I liked X2, but... Uh, Honestly, I don't know. According to this list, you did not. I I think you thought you liked Mega Man X3 more than X2, and then you played it. Okay, that's a fair point. I was going to say, at any rate, I think Splinter Soul is maybe better than X3. I'm not sure if it's going to go much higher than that, but I think it might have just, it broke the Mega Man block. It did. So the final question, is it better or worse than Pulse Man? I like Pulse Man a lot. You guys like Pulse Man a lot more than I did, (laughs) once again. It's such (sighs) a cool game, though. I kind of, I'm sad they never had a chance to iterate on it. They're not. They're making bank. Yeah, no, Pokemon. I mean, I'm sure they're happy with the way things turned out for them. Good job, Game Freak. I think I would have to give it to Pulse Man just on, um, like, sheer... Well, I was going to say novelty. There are a lot of games that are similar, but it's, like, special mechanic is just very weird, and that's why I like it so much. I don't know. I could be swayed either way on this, but I'm leaning Pulse Man-ward. I know where Zach's leaning, but he's just staring at me, which doesn't <laughs> translate into the audio podcast. <laughs> Stare. Uh, well, um, you know, if we had some sound effects in the background, we could have like a Zach glaring noise and like, it would just be a cue everyone learned to love. I mean, I'm not I- glaring. I'm just kind of here. <laughs> uh, I think, I think Splinter Cell is a better game than Pulse Man, personally. I have honestly a real hard time choosing. I would it's definitely difficult. rather play Pulse Man, but I don't know that I actually think it's better. Also, Pulse Man never went on to inspire anything. I think Splinter Cell was, like, influential in making stealth games what they were, um, and then they quickly died out. Also, Metal Gear Solid was around, though, so... Yeah, I feel like Splinter Cell's an important th- notch on the trajectory, but I don't think it's an essential one. That said, that argument does actually make me <laughs> lean in favor of Splinter Cell. Aha! I just argued my <laughs> against my own point. You're so good at lost. that. So Splinter Cell will go at number 49. I guess Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. Did this ambiguate it from the reboot that's no doubt coming which is splinter cell which unlikely will be called by just cell unlikely to have a reboot just because of the fact that the other ones did so badly yeah there's conviction and then i think then black the other black one label that's a mountain dew <laughs> so Tom, i was gonna say it's a Tony walker yeah that's it blacklist but yeah it's is, blacklist isn't that a most isn't that a need for speed thing <laughs> yeah you know tom clancy's need for speed underground the story about secret NSA underground racers who are also collecting. I'm evidence. pretty sure that's called the Fast and the Furious, Tyler. Yeah, no, the more I'm describing this, the more I just want this to be a Fast and Furious movie where, like, someone has, like, night vision goggles and, like, that's their special thing to contribute to the Fast and Furious team. So Tom Clancy's <laughs> Fishing Jamboree 2012 featuring Sam goes at number 49 above Pulse Man and below Knights of the Old Republic. Tom Clancy's Big Bass Angler. <laughs> What are we playing next week, Tyler? Uh, that is a good question. What are we playing two weeks from today, I should say? So I never finished Reckon No Ken, Fire Emblem, the first one for the GBA that we had access to as American humans. And that's why they didn't put Lynn in Smash. Well, she's in Smash. True. She's an assist trophy. I still think Hector would have been a lot more fun to add. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't see enough big axe dudes, frankly. Um, well, anyways, they're all sword wielders. So playing that game made me realize that Fire Emblem is an amazing series that I should definitely play more of, but for some reason just haven't. So we're going to play Sacred Stones, which is, I think Zach has a physical copy of this laying around, right? I do. Yeah. He bought it right before Nintendo released it from the Disney vault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is the second one from the GBA? Yep. Yes. Second American one. Yeah. English one, I guess. The, the second one us poor American plebs got <laughs> access to. So, I know nothing about it other than that. So next time on Last Time, Pleb promotes the president, right? This has been a production of Last Time on Video Games. Copyright 2018. All games, movies, and other media mentioned in this podcast are copyright their respective owners. If you wish to listen to more episodes, visit us at www.lasttimeonvideogames.com where you can see the entire archive. If you wish to get in contact with us, you can email us at ltobg at lasttimeonvideogames.com. This episode is over. Try listening to another one?